This is episode 9 of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast with Ryan Judd. I luckily had some wonderful mentors too, so I feel like I've I've learned a lot about attaining success and some very basic pillars that can help anyone in whatever they want to do, whether it's I want to become a better music therapist or I do want to be a business owner or I want to get my health in check, you know, whatever it may be. So I feel I really broke it down by four different relationships um, are the four pillars. So I like to start with your relationship to yourself. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. Today is my episode conversation with Ryan Judd, who is a music therapist in New Hampshire, private practice owner. Uh, he previously lived in Colorado for several years before moving to New England to restart his private practice. He tells us a little bit about that story in this episode. Uh, he also tells us about his four pillars of success and empowerment, which I think he clearly has put a lot of thought into and will spark some really good uh, self-reflection, thought about yourself, um, areas to be mindful of as you grow as an individual, grow as a clinician, uh, those kinds of things. So just some other things about Ryan really quickly. Ryan has been featured on ABC World News Tonight as well as some other newscasting uh, platforms. He has a guitar skills for music therapist course on music therapy ed and he also has a DVD CD package for uh, kids with special needs which he talks about a little bit in this episode. He also has some other albums um, for meditation, relaxation, personal wellness, and three of them have made it to the Billboard Top 10 chart, which is awesome. And he's a top-selling artist on Amazon for some of his albums. So he talks a little bit about some of his other accomplishments in this episode, so I will let you hear it from him. And without further ado, let's get into it. Right, Ryan, thanks uh, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about um, your presentation today. But first, let's start with tell us a little bit about yourself. I know that you are a busy guy. You got lots of music related yeah. things going on. So you can tell us about that. But tell us a little bit about Ryan. Yeah, well, gosh, you know, I live in Exeter, New Hampshire, this 
quintessential New England town. We just love it here. Uh, we moved here from Boulder, Colorado about 10 or 11 years ago and uh, really feel at home here. It's a special place. Great place to raise a family. So, you know, we've got two kids, so that takes up a lot of our time and energy. And uh, but that's really fun. And I've got my hands in a couple different things. It's all interrelated, but I've really got the entrepreneurial itch a few years ago and started diving into expanding my services in other ways. So, you know, I created this fun little DVD and CD and instrument kit for kids with special needs. And then I started doing recordings for sleep and relaxation and yoga and meditation and also getting into some nature recordings with that. Um, my practice grew so much that I had to start hiring on contractors. So there's that piece too. And I'm a performing musician too. So um, that kind of goes along with that. But it's, you know, I feel like there's a clinical side to my music where sometimes I've created albums that are just geared towards sleep um, or lullabies. And then I've created just music that I would want to listen to. <laughs> so more of like an artistic presentation. So that's a little bit about what I do, but I uh, just love being here, love what I'm doing, always trying to learn and grow and develop. So uh, it's, it's an honor to be on your podcast. It's going to be really fun to chat about some of this stuff. Yeah. And recently you received an award for one of your songs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was fun. It's hanging on my wall right over there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> forgot about that. Uh, yeah, it was so cool. I, I released an album last year called An Open Sky and just my own compositions, instrumental fingerstyle guitar on a nylon string guitar. And I hired an amazing cellist to play on the album, too. So all the tracks are just guitar and cello. And it was inspired by my work with this beautiful young girl, Zoe, who uh, I started with, who had brain cancer. And, and, you know, here's this just vivacious, energetic little girl running around. And all of a sudden, there's some weird issues going on and headaches. And her parents bring her in and they do an MRI and they find this huge tumor in her brain. And they were just like, oh, my God, tomorrow we have to t remove this. And from the surgery and all the procedures and the hospitalization, she just, you know, lost her ability to talk and walk and use her body. And um, so I started working with her and it was so amazing. It was the best work of my life and it was so inspiring. It was such an honor and privilege to work with her and her family was amazing. And, you know, after she passed, I just had all this emotion in me and it just poured out into these compositions I and mean, these compositions came to me like no other music has ever come to me it was just one after another after another and it was so cool because at the time i didn't even realize that's where it was all coming from but after doing some soul searching i discovered that she was my muse for the album so it was so cool to, to put it out there and have it really be well received and I was in New Orleans a few weeks ago for the ZMR Music Awards. And ZMR is kind of like an organization that represents like new age, ambient, instrumental, world music, neoclassical music. And, uh, and I won Best uh, Acoustic Instrumental Album of 2018. So it was surreal. It was so cool. That's a, a beautiful story. So thank you for sharing that and a wonderful tribute to her memory. Yeah, for sure. It's really all about her. That's probably why I forgot about the award because it's just like, <laughs> I feel like the album wouldn't exist without her. But but I, th I think to that point, it's really cool how 
we don't need to separate ourselves. We don't need to be Ryan Judd, the music therapist, Ryan Judd, the entrepreneur, Ryan Judd, the musician. You know, it can all, all those parts of ourselves can inform one another. And for people who want to do more than just see clients, I feel like it can all be enriching. And for me, you know, it's all about music for well-being and really using music to help others open their hearts and learn and heal and grow and develop. And that can be applied to someone listening to my music on Spotify having a good cry. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, it's not all sad. There's some definitely some sad songs <laughs> on there. Don't get me wrong. Of course there are. But, you know, there's also some songs that are a little more uplifting, more meditative. Um, but I feel like whether someone's doing that on Spotify or it's me working with a child with autism, helping them learn how to use sign language, you know, it's all about using the power of music to help heal and help people learn, grow, and develop. Yeah. And um, I really appreciate that you as a music therapist are putting stuff out that I as a music therapist can use because I find it really difficult sometimes to use music in my own self-care in Mm. all honesty because we do it all day. Um, (laughs) I listen to podcasts in the car because, you know, I don't I just don't want to listen to music for the time I'm driving. So um, it can be hard to find ways to incorporate it to rejuvenate ourselves. And uh, you're putting awesome resources out there for people to use. Thank you. Thank you. Mm, All right. So tell us how you found music therapy and how you got to where you are now. So I always loved working with kids and, you know, growing up, I'd do babysitting and I'd work at summer camps and things like that. And I always had an interest in psychology. So I went and did my undergrad at University of San Diego in psychology and focusing on child development. And that was great, but when I graduated, I knew I needed something more. It's hard to do, it's hard to have a lot of opportunities with just a bachelor's degree in psychology. So I started studying some graduate programs, and all of a sudden I get this pamphlet from this school in Boulder, Colorado called Naropa University that had this master's degree in transpersonal counseling psychology and music therapy. And I was like, what? What? Music therapy? What's that all about? I've never heard of that. (laughs) Um, And so this is back in uh, this is back in 97. So uh, so I started looking into it. It sounded amazing. The school was amazing because at the time I was really getting into the Eastern arts and meditation, yoga. And that's just that whole Eastern philosophy mindset. And this school was founded by a Buddhist monk and meditation was a required class. (laughs) And you had to go on like a four day silent retreat and you had a private meditation coach in addition to your classes. It was really, it was just amazing. Such an amazing program. So it was the only school I applied to. I, I put all my chips in that one basket and, uh, got in luckily because again it was the only thing i applied on the school i applied to and just had a wonderful experience now it was funny because i never thought i wanted to work with kids with special needs because i had never really even met or hung out with kids with special needs i mean you know back in the days the kids with special needs they were there in their own room mm-hmm. and the only time you might see them is if you went to the bathroom in the middle of your class and then that's when if they were moving rooms or going somewhere else you might see them in the hallway you know mm-hmm. um so i was intimidated i remember there was this one day they brought this a couple kids with down syndrome into our class so we could 
interact with them and like, you know, kind of practice some of the skills we were working on. And I just was, I was just kind of a fly on the wall. I didn't really know what to do. So I was so just out of my element. Um, but luckily for me, my internship was at a pediatric rehabilitation hospital at, on the PEDS unit and got to work with all these great, wonderful kids with autism and Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, all these amazing therapists and got to meet the parents. And I just fell in love with it. And so from that point on, it was, it was kind of a done deal. It was like, okay, kids with special needs, that's my gig. And, uh, and right after I graduated, I started a private practice and four of those kids came with me. So I started a private practice with four clients. It was crazy. Wow. Fresh out of school. Um, and it was okay because they weren't, they didn't have a music therapist fill in for me. So like, they were like, yeah, sure. Keep working with these kids. It was not like conflict of interest, which is nice. Um, and so I started with these four kids and then it just kind of grew and developed. And then I started working with some adults and with developmental disabilities. I love that too. So, um, that's what I've been focused on for the past 19 years. Was it difficult to pick up your private practice from Colorado and move it to New Hampshire? That was a challenge for sure. Um, and my wife had sacrificed to stay in Colorado for me and my business and my practice and being close to my family. But then after five or six years, she wanted a shot at um, being close to her family on the East Coast and getting a job on the East Coast that she saw was open. And so it was my turn, it was my turn to like make the sacrifice. So it was hard though, because my practice was thriving and my dad just lived 30 minutes away in Denver, um, but I knew it was my turn. So we did, and as soon as I made that decision, like, okay, we're doing it, everything fell into place. It was amazing. Um, and a job opening came up at a local community music school that was perfect. So I, I took that because I knew it was going to take some time to build up a practice. And it was interesting going from being self-employed for eight years to working for someone else and commuting. I was driving too much and it just really made me realize like, yeah, man, you really, you really are meant to be in practice for yourself uh, and self-employed. So I was so fired up though. And I just, I just had so much to give. And I, I had this huge notebook before I even left Boulder. I had this huge notebook of contacts in New Hampshire and I was setting up like meetings and cups of coffee and presentations even before I left. And when I got here and especially when I got that taste of like, Oh, this isn't right for me. I got to get my private practice going. I just went full bore and I just, I gave so many presentations and workshops, had so many awesome cups of coffee. Uh, with other therapists and people in you know, the special needs community. And, you know, within nine months, I was able to leave that position because my practice, and I was teaching guitar too. So my guitar teaching studio and my music therapy practice had built up in nine months to the point where I could leave that and go full-time self-employed again. So uh, that was pretty cool. That's great. And it's um, important that people are able to recognize their preference in themselves. But it's also good that you got to go back to that being the employee and re-recognize it in yourself and say, yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah, I know what I know and I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was really good. I mean, I've always been kind of fiercely independent, even as a little kid. So, uh, it was kind of fun that it came full circle, but, uh, and I'm really glad I had that opportunity too. And so it was, I mean, then it just, you know, grew all of a sudden I had this like wait list and I'm like, Oh, cool. But then it was like a two and a half year long wait list. And I'm like, Oh, not cool. Like these kids are on all sorts of wait lists and 
why should they have to wait for services? So I just said, man, you got to step it up. You got to like bring someone on either as an employee or a contractor. And I decided to go the contractor route. Um, and luckily I just found some wonderful music therapists and was able to keep the business growing by doing that. So uh, it's, it's been wonderful. Awesome. Awesome. So tell us about your four pillars of success and empowerment. Uh, uh, yes, this is a presentation I gave a while ago. So I'm going to cheat a little bit, look at some notes here for the big themes. But yeah, just I feel like I've learned a lot on this entrepreneurial journey of being a business owner, trying to grow my music therapy skills and releasing products and taking chances and learning new skills and i'm constantly learning like i bet some of the stuff we talk about today i'll look back in a few years and be like ah, i would have said that differently <laughs> but um i've luckily had some wonderful mentors too so i feel like i've i've learned a lot about attaining success and some very basic pillars that can help anyone in whatever they want to do whether it's i want to become a better music therapist or i do want to be a business owner or I want to get my health in check, you know, whatever it may be. So I feel I really broke it down by four different relationships um, are the four pillars. So I like to start with your relationship to yourself. And, you know, Sir Edmund Hillary said, it's not the mountain we conquer, but ourselves. And I feel like whatever you're focused on, if it's being a better music therapist or a better business owner, more successful, you really got to start with yourself because as you become a better person, more knowledgeable about yourself, as you improve yourself, that in turn will cause your business or your health or your music therapy skills to grow and develop. And I feel like we're all prone to having self-limiting beliefs. Yeah. You know, we all have these beliefs like, oh, I could never do that. <laughs> you know, you hear about these great successes and you're just like, that's not me. I could never attain that. And I just think that's crap. I, I, I don't, I think obviously you got to want it. You know, it's not like you're going to attain something that you don't really want, but if you have a big dream and it feels right in your gut and your heart, I just feel like if you've got some doubts, you got to dive into that. You got to peel away the layers of that. where did those doubts come from? Your parents, some crappy teachers you had, siblings like you know who who didn't believe in you who put you down what made you doubt yourself and your ability to attain your dreams and your goals so that's huge so that's huge um you know i also feel like beliefs about money is something interesting with music therapists <laughs> and people in the, in the giving professions feeling like oh we're just we're music therapists or we're whatever it may be, whatever giving profession you're in, um, we tend to undervalue money and undervalue what we're offering. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of people out there have a really negative perception of money and people who attain wealth. You know, there's just that classic, like rich people are jerks kind of thing. And sure, there's a lot of people who are rich who are jerks but you know what there's a lot of people who are rich who are freaking amazing human beings mm -hmm. and i would probably say that's more likely the case because part of getting to that level is being an amazing person a good person and just a wonderful human being so i feel like you really gotta 
break down your perception of money and wealth, because that could be a self-limiting belief right there. You know, if you think, oh, people who make lots of money are jerks, why the hell would you make a lot, want to make a lot of money? <laughs> or if you think, oh, music therapists can't make a lot of money, then you have that belief. Well, yeah, you're never going to make a lot of money if you have that belief. Unfortunately, that, that belief is not true. Um, so money, the money mindset is huge. And, you know, I've just... I've just learned so much from reading like classic books on money. You know, like one of the classic one is Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Um, that's a great one. Or following modern day people who have podcasts and YouTube channels and, you know, even people like Susie Orman and we talk about creating wealth and getting out of debt. Um, those can be some really cool people. You, you know, you might not vibe with her, but there's someone else out there who's going to have a philosophy that you say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, listening to those podcasts, reading those books, following those people and really creating more of a wealth and abundant mindset is huge. And you know, what wealth means to me or what, what having more money means to me is just more freedom. Yeah. You know, I don't really care about driving a fancy car. You know, could I go out and buy a Mercedes? Yeah, I could probably go out and buy a Mercedes, but I don't, that's not me. You know, I got a Subi. <laughs> I'm, I'm a New Englander, right? Yeah, you, you need that New England. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but you know, it means freedom to me. And I feel like that's something that people don't always get is that, yeah, if, if you've got a little extra money, well, guess what? You can hire someone to clean your house. So you don't have to spend that precious time on the weekend. And if you want, if you like cleaning your house and you jam some music on, you're in it. Awesome. For me, that's not me. I, I want to spend time with my kids. I want to spend time with my wife. I want to spend time with my friends. I want to play squash. I want to be hiking. I want to be outside. So, you know, it's nice to be able to have that freedom to outsource that. It's nice to be able to pay someone to do my landscaping, you know, because again, it frees up my time. It's nice to pay someone to do my snow plowing. So on snow days, I'm out there with my boys <laughs> tromping in the snow and building forts and having snowball fights instead of like, all right, honey, I got to get out the snowblower. I'll see you in two hours. You know what I mean? That's just like, I, I yeah, I respect hardworking people. And, you know, if that, again, if that's your gig, if you like, if you enjoy doing that, awesome, more power to you. Um, for me, I, I'd rather be playing. Uh, so I think that's really important to kind of have that little bit of a mindset. Um, and it, it allows me to, to give more too. I mean, I donate a percentage of my profits to Lucy's Love Bus, this local nonprofit that provides free music therapy services for kids in New England with brain cancer, or with cancer, not just brain cancer, but just with cancer in general. And it's so cool that I can support their program by donating a percentage of my profits because, you know, because the money's flowing in, I can, I can shave, you know, shave off a little bit and, and help this agency and help some kids and help some music therapists. Isn't that cool yes. too? I like that. Like the money doesn't go to me, but it, it goes to other music therapists, some who I know personally who are working with these kids. And that, that just, that warms my heart. So, uh, so your relationship to yourself, you know, there's so much we could talk about, but the other thing I want to talk about is health. You know, I, I'm in a mastermind group. Do you know what a mastermind group is? Yeah, but you can explain it for anyone listening. Yeah. Again, I, this concept, I believe originated from that famous book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And it's a concept of joining a group, a small group of like-minded people and meeting on a regular basis to discuss your successes and challenges. 
And so I'm in this mastermind group. There's four of us total. There's me, the music therapist and musician and music dude. And then there's this amazing person who does financial wellness and financial literacy. And then there's a performance and life coach. And then there's an author who focuses on helping people get sober from alcoholism in particular. So different, way different, right? Way different in our professional pursuits, but we're all fired up individuals who love to learn and love to grow and develop. So we have this bi-weekly call where we start with a grounding exercise, we share successes, and then we take 10 minutes each to, well, you take about a minute to talk about a challenge. Like I'm really struggling with this decision or don't know what to do with this or does anyone have any advice or resources? And then everyone chimes in and we're, we've been doing this for a couple of years. So we're like, we are, it doesn't even need to be about business. It could be something family or personal at this point. Um, but what an amazing mastermind. It's like the power of these four brains and these four lives of experience and struggle and success coming together on a bi-weekly basis in total love and support is invaluable. So the mastermind is great. And one of the members, the guy who is like a sales performance life, life coach, he works with only top executives of million dollar plus companies. And they, of course, when he meets with them, they want to start on the business goals. Like, how can I make my business better? Right. And he's like, no, 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 dude, <laughs> that's at the bottom of the list. My friend, let's start with your health. Mm -hmm. That's at the top of the list because without good health, it's hard to be a good parent or a good husband or a father or a partner or, a, or a son, <laughs> you know, or a daughter. Um, and it's really hard to be a good music therapist. If your back is aching or you're sick or you're hurting or you're in pain or you're not sleeping well enough, there's so much to it. So his whole thing is start with health and that's at the top. And then you have, you know, family and relationships and spirituality and all this other stuff before you get down to your business goals. Yeah. So I really respect that. I've tried to embody that in my own life and it's working. <laughs> so, uh, so, so yeah, so I think that is super, super important in terms of that. And last thing I want to say about your relationship to yourself, you got to invest in yourself, you know, I mean, it's the best money you're going to spend is on yourself. And sometimes you got to throw down in order to reach those goals. Sometimes you got to hire that business consultant. If you want to step it up, if you find a good one and there's plenty out there, the return on investment, you kidding me? If you have to drop 4,000 bucks over three, four months, you're going to gain that back. No problem. Or even if it's just a couple hundred bucks, let's say their rate is 250 an hour and you're like, Oh my God, 250 an hour. That's so expensive. Yeah. 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 But come on now, you get one client and one contract from their guidance and advice and bam, that's going to pay for itself 10 times over a hundred times over who knows how far it will go. So invest in yourself, take courses, you know, and if you're interested in building a side business or you're improving your private practice or improving your music therapy skills, you know, pay someone to do it. Yeah. You can learn a lot from books. I'm all about that. I'm constantly reading books and I'm a podcast addict, but man, the money I've dropped in hiring professional consultants has been invaluable. So I just want people to really think about that. That's the fast track. 
You want to you want to take a hell of a long time to reach your goals and dreams. Keep reading those books and listening to those podcasts. You'll get there. I mean, there's a that those are I've gotten golden nuggets from books and podcasts. Amazing, but man, it does not compare to that working with someone who knows you, knows your vision, and who has attained the success that you want. Success leaves clues. You know, it's just you follow someone who has had that success. Gosh, you're going to get there so much quicker and so much easier. You're not going to have to make the mistakes. You're going to learn from the mistakes that they made. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, whoa, 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 dude. I did that 10 years ago and I just, and I lost 15 grand, <laughs> you know, or they'll say, I did that five years ago and it didn't lead to anything except for sleepless nights. You know, there's so much you can learn from someone else's failures. And so, and so, and these people who you can work with are so happy to help you avoid those pitfalls because they know how painful they are. So that's my little rant on paying for consultation. There's some amazing music therapists out there. I mean, come on, you like hook up with Kat Fulton or Meredith Pizzi or something like that, you know, and whoo, if, if that's the direction you want to go in with something they can offer, uh, you're going to get there quick, much quicker than other venues. Yeah. Can I pause you for a sec? So yeah. uh, how did you find your mastermind? And do you have any resources for someone else who's looking for that type of a, a group support type setting? Yeah, I, wow, I was teaching this young boy guitar. And I always love to develop, you know, deep relationships with the parents of my students or my clients. And so I'd always walk him out to the car and I'd chat with the mom and, you know, she, she believed in me. She was really amazing. She just had this vibrance and she was always curious about what I was up to. And she really believed in me. And when I was telling her about this, you know, this DVD and CD and instrument kit that I was thinking about developing for kids with special needs, she was like, oh my God, you got to have lunch with my friend, Chris. I'm going to introduce you guys. He's going to be great. Um, and so, and Chris is that amazing sales and performance coach. I think he calls himself like a life alchemist or something. Um, and so I meet with him for lunch and I start telling him about my project and just immediately he starts calling me on my BS. It was awesome. He's (laughs) like, so what's your timeline on this? I'm like, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm taking it. I just want to make sure it's all done right. So I'm just making sure that all the pieces are done. So I don't really have like a deadline or anything. He's like, that's a nice story you're telling yourself. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I just met this dude and he's calling me on my crap. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we had that lunch and then I think I reached out to him a couple months later and he could tell I had the fire and the passion, and the drive. And I, he was already in the mastermind group. And I think maybe someone might have dropped out or there were only three and they wanted to add a fourth. And he invited me to join. And I was like, wow. Oh my gosh, I felt so like a fish out of water. I felt like, what the hell am I doing here? I had, I was so baffled by the first few calls about what my place was because here I'm this like, I'm younger, I'm more naive and less experienced. And am I giving advice to these people who are way more successful and experienced and older? But then I figured it out. And I'm like, my job is not to give advice. My job is to ask good questions. Mm-hmm. And that made all the difference. So then I found my place and then I felt like I really belonged, you know? Um, And I feel like even today, still, I do best when I just listen deeply, empathize and ask 
good questions. So that's kind of my place in it. But uh, but yeah, I don't have any resources for it. I, it's such a bummer. I, yeah, I'm not even sure how you'd go about it. I would say, you know, finding someone else who's fired up about what they're doing and you can tell is on a similar path, even if it's a different profession mm -hmm. and asking them out to coffee and talking and like going back and forth and sharing resources and then saying, Hey, you know what is, is there someone else you think that might like to join, join us the next time we have coffee, you know, or maybe we could jump on a phone call if they live in a different state or across the country. So I think this would be really valuable. And if you find the right person with the right drive, I feel like you can get three or four people together pretty darn quick um, who all are passionate about doing what they're loving and making a difference in the world and achieving success. Yeah, that's awesome that it happened so organically for you. That's really great. Yeah, yeah. Still to this day, I'm just kind of baffled by it and, and feel so fortunate that it went down that way. Awesome. Thanks for taking that little sidetrack. So go on to number two. All right. Your relationship to fear and failure. Mm. Oh, man. We all have felt that. You're like, and you're with a client and you're thinking, should I try this new song or should I try this new intervention? And maybe someone's watching or observing and you're like, oh, I don't know. I might screw it up. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so that's a very simple uh, example. But, uh, but there's, I feel like here, there's a really great quote by Joseph Campbell. Uh, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And I just feel like it's so true. I mean, if you start to study people who have attained great success, like Charles Branson, um, you realize how many failures they've had. You know, there's this great graphic of an iceberg, right? And the tip of the iceberg that's out of the water is success <laughs> and achievement, right? And then there's the iceberg underneath the water that no one sees that is like failure and insecurity and self-doubt and wrong terms and, you know, all that. Right. And so I just really encourage people to be OK. With failure and to realize it's failure only if you stop. You know, I love the expression to fail forward. Like you to stumble, you just tripped. Cool. Okay, let that momentum carry. Learn from your freaking mistakes and do it better. And don't make that same mistake again. And learn from it. And shift gears if you need to shift gears. Change directions if you need to change directions. I mean, certainly that's that's happened to me to me a lot. I mean, that first DVD CD kit that I developed, I spent so much time and money, a lot of my mom's money, just between you and me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to do it because I had to hire a film crew. I had to, you know, have the DVDs and the CDs made. I had to go into the studio to record all the songs. I had to import thousands of instruments from China. I mean, what the hell did I, you don't think I, I was, had fear around that? Oh my God, that freaked me out. I thought I was going to get swindled. Um, but luckily I found people to guide me, mentors to guide me through that process and people who believed in me. So I did it. Um, and then I did this huge two-year content marketing strategy to like, you know, so I was, I was going to change the world with this thing. I was going to sell millions of these kits, right? Of course. 
Um, and I still remember Kat Fulton. I took one of her courses, um, Package Your Expertise. And I had, a, I think it was like a 30-minute call with her. And she's like, Ryan, I think you spent way too much on this project. <laughs> now, granted. I did sell my initial 500 units and I still sell it digitally and I still sell the DVD and the CD. I don't do the instruments anymore, um, but it's cool because I can do the MP3s of the CD, the MP4 of the DVD, the PDF of the songbook. So I can really create, have a nice digital package. And yeah, I make a couple hundred bucks a month, whatever. Um, but it was a failure. I, with the time and energy I spent in doing, putting out all this energy, making all these contacts, you know, doing this content marketing strategy where I had the video blog and I was guest writing articles and I was writing my own articles and I was just getting reviews and just putting it out to the world. And it took so much of my time and energy. And after two years, I was brought to my knees and I just gave up. It was just like, dude, just didn't work out. And I felt like a failure to myself. I felt like I failed my wife. I felt like I failed my mom. I felt like I failed my family. You know, I felt like I failed all those people who supported me and believed in me because I couldn't go on. It was not working. It was not working to the degree, degree it needed to work. And I just laid on my couch and I just bawled, you know, just like deep, those deep belly sobs, like, oh my God, it was so intense. And then I pulled my ass up and I just said, you know what, dude, come on. If you created something that people aren't looking for. You made a very naive entrepreneurial mistake. No one's going to Amazon and searching DVD for autism, music therapy DVD for autism at that, you know? No one's going on Google and searching, you know, music therapy DVD and CD kit for autism or special needs. Um, and it just didn't work. So take what you learned through this intensive two years and put it into something that people are searching for. And I did. And that was, you know, creating music for people who are struggling with sleep and struggling with anxiety. And that led me down this whole other path. And that has been very lucrative and successful. So that was one of my big stumbling points in this whole entrepreneurial journey, this whole roller coaster. Um, entrepreneurial Roller Coaster by Darren Hardy. That's a great book. Um, they have that on audiobook too. If anyone doesn't know Darren Hardy is, he's like, was the editor in chief of success magazine for many years. And now he's all about empowering people. He has this daily five minute morning video that he puts out every day and all these cool resources. He's an author, best-selling author. He's got some great stuff. So yeah, be okay with fear. Be okay with failure. Know that a lot of fear too is more, it's, it's more like on an evolutionary level. You know, when you fear failure, part of what is going on is you're fearing rejection. And what would happen if you got rejected a thousand years ago or 10,000 years ago? Let's say if your tribe rejected you 10,000 years ago, you would be dead. If you got kicked out of the village and you were in the wilderness by yourself, you might make it a week or two, right? But that ain't the case anymore. But we still got that reptilian brain that's freaking us out. You know, that's making us oversphere things and be afraid of things which aren't threatening to our existence. So it's really important to dive deep into that and realize where some of that fear is coming from and that re realize that a lot of that fear is irrational. Um, so there's there's a little bit about the whole relationship to fear and failure. I mean, you know, I could talk all day long, as you can tell, but I know we got to keep things rolling here, Tricia. <laughs>
<laughs> hey, it's your episode. We can break it up into two if you want. What do you think about all that? What I just said. I don't know. What resonates with you? Um, honestly, a lot of it. I keep thinking of this podcast. Even what you said about the self in the yeah. beginning, because I I had yeah. this vision for this podcast. You know, it just popped into my head, and I was so obsessed with it. I was like, I, I want to yeah. do this podcast, but later. I want to do this thing, but later. And like all these reasons why I couldn't do it. And finally, my partner, Chris, said to me, like, you know, I, I have the equipment sitting around. What have you done this week to get closer to that goal? Uh, nice. You know, I'm like, I didn't know, what am I afraid of? Like, there's there's nothing wrong with putting audio out into the Internet. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with reaching out to guests and saying, hey, you want to do this thing? Do you, uh, I'd like to hear what you have to say. Uh, you know, they might say no. They might say yes. They're, like, there's nothing it shouldn't be as terrifying as it is to put yourself out there with an idea or something you want to try. Same thing in a session, right? Just like you said. Totally. I, totally. I, for me, one of the things I'm most self-conscious about in a session is uh, if I, you know, I'm in a home, the family's nearby, and I make the musical phrase, and I don't finish it to allow processing time for the client. Uh -huh. And that makes me uncomfortable because I'm thinking the parents are hearing silence. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And, and, you know, and I've had them ask totally. me before or even I've heard them in the hallway say, like, there's no sound oh, coming out or, yeah, like, you know, they, they don't they don't know. And I'm like, oh, I need to explain this. I need to defend myself. I need to keep making noise. But, you know, that's that's my own fear. That's my own insecurity, because what I really need to do is focus on the client and allowing them the opportunity yeah. to participate in the music. Yeah. For sure. For sure. We've all been there. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I've been doing this for 19 years and I still get those moments of like, oh, someone's watching or someone's listening or, you know, are they going to think what is going on in there? You know, mm -hmm. um, it's funny. Uh, I feel like I've gotten a lot better with just being like, I don't really care. But um, but still, there's that voice for sure. Yes. That voice of like fear and insecurity and self-doubt still kicks in even after all this time. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> but that pushes us towards personal growth, right? Because you recognize your own insecurities again every time you get that, that ping, like, oh, I'm, I'm insecure about this. I fear this. Why? Where is that yeah, rooted? Yeah. Back to number one. Like, wh what is that rooted in? And how do I fix it? How do I get yeah, past yeah. it? Because so, you can't work on the next step if you don't work on the base, Maslow's hierarchy. What you there said, you your your friend in the mastermind, his, um, you have to work on yourself and your business is last. That made me yeah. think of Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally see that. You got to get all that stuff in check. So, oh, that's really interesting. Well, I'm really glad you shared that uh, about yourself. And I think almost everyone listening is going to be able to relate to what we're saying. Totally. <laughs> and I also feel like you... You don't know what you don't know. You can't be aware of what you're unaware of. Mm -hmm. You can't be conscious of what's subconscious or unconscious. So that's when I feel like working with others and working with therapists or a mastermind group or people to get who, who know you really well and will call you on your stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't, the best people I like to hang out with will be with people who will be honest and will give me constructive criticism. I'm always asking for constructive criticism, yet barely anyone ever gives it to me. I'm like, that's what I want. Like, tell me what you don't like or what you, irks you about this music or this CD or my website or my these photos or whatever I'm trying to get feedback on, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I really appreciate when people give constructive criticism and when people call me on my stuff, when they say, dude, that sounds like it's coming from your, you know, your lack mentality that you've talked about. 
in the past or, you know, whatever it may be. And all of a sudden they kind of shed a little bit of light on it. And of course, you know, the best example is really seeing a therapist who can really dive deeper with into your unconscious processes so they can help you become aware of that stuff. But um, I feel like self-growth and self-development is awesome, but you need to work on it more than just as an individual. You really need someone else there. Yeah. And um, if you can't find a mastermind, peer supervision there you is, go. is great. If anyone listening is looking for some peer supervision, go to the Facebook group, put a post that you want, you know, you need some peer supervision and hopefully someone will comment. Use that as a place to find someone if you need to. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great resource. So uh, we should keep rolling here. <laughs> All right. Your relationship to the future. A goal without a plan is just a wish. Mm. I always like that quote. You know, if you're like, picture yourself in a boat and you're out in the ocean and you don't have a destination or a compass or a sail, you're just going to be kind of floating around, not really getting anywhere, you know? You need goals. We, we take all the time in the world to write these great goals for our clients and to track them with data but most of us don't do that for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I feel like one of the pillars of success is mapping out your future. And one of the biggest things with that is figuring out what you want. That's one of the hardest questions when someone says, what do you want? Like, what do you want your life to look like in five years, 10 years, 25 years? What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to be known for? You know, what's your ideal work day? Everything from like what you drink in the morning to the people you spend time with and like hour by hour, what is your vision? You know, that's where it really begins. I feel like with goal writing, one of the biggest mistakes, especially for, let's say, let's focus on business, um, is to write the goal of, I will be making this much or, you know, I will have this promotion or whatever. I will have this number of clients by so-and-so. Um, you got to start with the lifestyle or you can, you can screw yourself. You know, you got to start with, I want the freedom every day to spend quality time with my loved ones. I want the freedom every day to be able to work out or do yoga or meditate or whatever it may be, have a cup of coffee with a friend. You know, you've got to start with that quality of life goal and then you build your business goals around that. So that's why I think with goal writing, the vision is so important down the, down the line of what, what you want it to look like. And then I think it's important to have, you know, this, these quantitative goals. I know I write goals every Sunday, either Sunday night or Monday morning. I kind of like have my goals for the week. And I try to be very specific and only have, you know, three areas, business, you know, lifestyle and relationships. And then I've got a fourth quadrant. This all comes from Darren Hardy, by the way, that, that dude I mentioned before. Um, this is his, like, I think he called it like the Sunday planning system. Yeah, Sunday planning system, um, which he has a, as a free resource online. And then you have a fourth quadrant, which is the, the devil's vortex, he calls it. And that's where, like all your distractions, 
all your non-essential emails, everything that you could outsource, but you just choose to do it yourself. You know, I know for me, that's been huge lately. I've got a virtual assistant and I'm trying to give her more responsibilities and give her more tasks so that I don't have to do it. I had such a hard time of letting go of my invoicing, you know, and I, my mastermind group, they're like, dude, you really need to do your, your invoicing for all your contractors? Come on now. I'm like, yeah, I think it's really important, blah, 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 right? Self-limiting belief, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and they, they didn't push, but it stuck in my head. And I hired a bookkeeper and she took it all over and, oh, my God, dialed in my QuickBooks and done all my invoicing. And, oh, what a relief. That was the thing I liked least about my work. And now I don't have to deal with that. Sure, there's a couple of things I got to do here and there, but she has a lion's share of stuff in terms of that. So... You know, being being willing to delegate is really important, too. So anyways, those kind of three goal areas each week, I think is really important. Um, I like having vision boards. I like to create that vision and then create little images. I actually do it as a slideshow on my computer. Um, I used to watch it like every morning. And it was so cool because I just checked in with the one I did in 2016. I was putting some lofty stuff on there like big numbers for streaming and Amazon sales and all this stuff. And, you know, just images of me and, you know, whatever, you know, with a lake house with a water skiing boat. Um, and, and I checked in with it the other day and I'm like looking at these images. I'm like, oh, damn, I got that one. And oh, wow. Oh, I got that one, too. It's so awesome. I shared it with my wife a couple of nights ago. So I'm like, Jen, you got to check this out. Look at this, you know. And uh, so now we're creating a vision board together. Um, and, you know, at night we sit down and we kind of go over some of these big questions and we're trying to, like, frame it out for the future. But uh, but a vision board can be fun. It can the way I see it is, you know, you see these goals and you see these images and it almost creates like this cognitive dissonance in your mind, in your brain, it's like, oh, that's what I'm envisioning for myself, but I don't have it yet. So <laughs> come on, man, motivate, <laughs> get there, take the steps you need to take. So I think it's fun to have like those big goals, but also then to take those little steps too. that notice that so many times what keeps someone from achieving great success is taking that first step. You don't have to freaking conquer the world in a week. Just take one step a day towards that big goal you're working on. You might take a thousand steps. You know, it might take a couple years. It might take 10 years, whatever. But like start taking those steps towards it and track it. The numbers don't lie. You know, that's why we take data. That's why we can get on the IEP is because the numbers don't lie. So if you aren't tracking your numbers and being honest with yourself about your success and your achievement and your progress, I think you're really missing, missing the ball and you're going to be limiting yourself by that. And when you start tracking the numbers and you start to see growth and development, oh, wow, so fun and motivating. That's so cool. I remember with that whole DVD kit thing when I hired the bookkeeper. Um, originally, she was just kind of doing my books, not doing invoicing or anything. But I, I thought I was like making decent money every month on the DVD kit thing. Right. And then but then we added in all our expenses and she created these custom profit and loss uh, documents so I could see exactly how much I was making on my DVD kit. And guess what? I wasn't making a damn thing. <laughs> I was losing money every month on this for months and months, but it got smaller and smaller and smaller. And I still remember the first month where I like turned a profit of like 
14 bucks. I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, there's my hosting, you know, and then a few months later, I had a profit of 100 bucks. I was like, oh, sweet. There's my internet and cable bill. And then, you know, mm -hmm. you kind of just it kept on building and building and building. So uh, so what gets measured get man gets gets managed. And I think that's really important to keep in mind, too, when you're writing goals and being tr and tracking yourself. Yeah, I um I don't necessarily put my weekly goals in those same categories, but I do the same thing where each week I have my goals for the year and then I have my action items for like the quarter or whatever. And then each nice. week I'm like, okay, so what do I need to do this week to get closer to that action item? And then by the end of the year, hopefully the goal is achieved, right? Yeah. 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 I do my yearly goals too. I and mean, there's so many different systems and I think you got to really figure out what works well for you. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like in general, people go for these yearly goals and it's too far out on the horizon. It's yeah. too far out in the future. You're just like, Oh, I got a whole year to achieve this. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But if all of a sudden you break it down, like I know my other goal writing exercises every two months, I go in and I revise and rewrite my goals and I check on them. So I've got like this two, I've got the yearly goals and I've got, I've got my two month goals and then I've got my weekly. So it's you know, these three tiers that really keep me in check and keep me on track. But I, I, there's so many systems out there. So you just got to find one that works well for yourself. But just, I think, knowing in general that the big yearly goals, you know, New Year's resolution type things, eh. They're cool, but you gotta you gotta break it down. It's too long of a window. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how in school, you know, like six six years old, right? And you're little, and uh, they have New Year's resolutions, and you write them down, right? Your five year old self, yeah. but you never touch them again. You never go back to them. Yeah. And the school year ends yeah. in June, so you know by December right. you're the different teacher. But yeah, it's interesting that as a, a societal thing, we have this New Year's resolutions, New Year, New Me. Um, and maybe it's becoming more mainstream to check in with those things. But mm. I think it's also important to recognize like 2020 is six months away, right? So that can be intimidating. Like I'm not any closer and 2020 is almost here, but you also still have six months to hit those yeah. goals before 2020. Yeah, for sure. I think the general tendency, I've heard a lot of people say this, something like you overestimate what you can accomplish in a day or a week but you underestimate what you can accomplish in like three months. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, yeah, so and that's where those like little steps, right? You take all these little steps and they really add up. So, um, so yeah, there's tons of awesome resources for goal writing out there. Again, I know Darren Hardy has a lot of great stuff out there too, but um, there's, there's just a lot. So, uh, so yeah, the other pillar in relationship I really feel like is so important is your relationship to others. A relationship to community and this is you know part of this is is definitely networking you know but i feel like on a deeper level and we'll talk a little bit about that but i feel like on a deeper level it just really comes down to surrounding yourself with supportive positive people um there's this famous guy jim Rohn, who said we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with i think most people have heard that if you yeah. haven't, it's a classic quote. It's something to really think about. And you're in control. You choose who those five people are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, if you're if you're living in a house with someone, maybe a family member, something, and you literally cannot 
remove yourself from that person if they're they're bringing you down a little bit you know guess what you got to work extra hard then to spend more time with people outside of the house who support you and believe in you and who have that charisma and that chutzpah that you need to help you achieve your goals and your dreams so that's huge that's huge after reading that and doing some of this entrepreneurial work i i definitely started cutting ties with a couple people in my life i'm just like what's the point Mm -hmm. you know i don't care how long our friendship's been this person is just like whatever they just you know either they're just blah or they they have self-destructive behavior i don't need to be around people with self-destructive behavior you know uh life is tempt is there's a temptation for all of us to to go towards this dark stuff as it is. I don't need to be around people who are in it. <laughs> um, so, you know, without getting too into that, I just feel like that's, that is, is super important. One thing I want to mention too, that you mentioned is putting yourself out there. Yeah. Right. I mean, putting yourself out there in your community. I, that's been huge. It's because I just, I put myself out there by doing this video blog. That was kind of intimidating and crazy to actually share videos of me working with clients, you know, that got me where I'm at, where I'm at and helped me connect with some really amazing people. And it and it's helped so many other people by just putting it out there, by putting my music out there internationally, by being just like, I want everyone who can possibly see this to see this or hear this to hear this you know, writing those articles, doing interviews, presenting at conferences, giving workshops, putting it out there. You know, of course, I'm a huge fan of video and I feel like, wow, if you're giving a presentation or a workshop, you got to show a video clip of your work. You know, that's huge. So uh, that's always been the heart and soul of all my workshops and presentations. And I would not have the success that I have today without, and with my music therapy practice to be specific, without sharing video clips of my work with others when I give workshops, presentations, meetings, conferences, whatever, um, as well as, you know, just on my website and my YouTube channel and all that fun stuff. So that's huge too. So put it out there. You know, make those ties, surround yourself with positive people and whatever you're struggling with, like reach out, reach out to people. You never know who's going to have an answer. You know, so many times there's been these instances in my life where I just, if someone said, oh, how you doing? Oh man, you know, I'm really really trying to grow my practice. You know, I've been giving these presentations. Oh, well, have you talked to (laughs) so-and-so, you know? Oh, I haven't. Can you, can do a little, uh, Email introduction, oh yeah, sure, I'll do that today, for sure. You know, boom, next thing you know, you got a new client or a contract. Um, your network has just grown. So you just gotta put it out there, whatever you're wanting, whatever you're struggling with, you really gotta just, you know, be humble and ask for help and tell people about it. How easy is that to answer that question that way instead of just being like, oh yeah, things are good, you know? Well, I'm actually <laughs> kind of struggling with, you know, da da da. Um, and it can come from the most random places. I remember when I was, I was having all those instruments imported to Boston Harbor, right? And I heard about this like customs broker dude you needed to hire and how there's a lot of scammers out there and you can really get screwed. And they're the ones who like receive all your goods at the harbor and know how to process all the paperwork and customs forms and declarations and all that stuff. Um, And I was so nervous and anxious about that. And I was driving through Fremont, New Hampshire, you know, Fremont. (laughs) 
teeny yeah. little town, yeah. right? Basically I mean, trees. <laughs> yeah, basically trees. The smallest post office you'll ever see in your life. And I had talked to the woman at the post office a couple times. She seemed really cool. And so I popped in there. I'm like, screw it. I just pull over. I pop in there. And I, I go up and I said, you know, this is a really random question, but I'm struggling finding a customs broker in Boston Harbor because I'm importing all these instruments from China for this project I'm doing. She's like, oh, my God, I used to work for a company and we would import import toys from China. And I've got the per- perfect dude for you, you know, and it's, it, was, it was serendipitous, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't have happened if I just didn't put it out there. Yeah. So put it out there, people. Come on now. Um, there's there's people who want to help you. And if you find someone who isn't helpful or doesn't want to help you out, well, cool, whatever. You know, then that's not someone you're going to go back to or that's not someone you want in your circle. But I feel like most people out there, especially with the type of work we're doing, they want to see you succeed. They want to help you. So there's just there's a lot of good people out there wanting to help. You know what I'm saying, Trish? Totally. That's uh, one of my visions with the Facebook group for this podcast is that it, you know, there's lots of music therapy Facebook groups out there, but I'm hoping that it becomes a community where people can reach out about certain things, relate to what's discussed in the episodes, you know, have a a community feel with a different Mm. setting than Music Therapists Unite or Music Therapists and Mental Health, any of that. Just, you know, similar but different uh, and that it's a safe place where people can create a mastermind group or a supervision group or talk about hey this is a project and i need a broker or you know whatever kind of things are going on um where those connections can be made for sure that's great i love that and going back to what you originally said that uh, you are the culmination of the five people you spend the most time with yeah so during my internship um for those listening i did my internship at a state hospital Uh, And I was the only intern and there was one music therapist who was my supervisor. She was great. Uh, I learned so much from her, but she was the only person I spent time with all day. Essentially, Mm -hmm. I lived by myself. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, a week or two into my internship, I thought I'm going to become my supervisor, which isn't a terrible thing. But, you know, there are other qualities I want to embody. And so I started volunteering twice a week at an animal shelter. So, you know, I so basically for my internship, I was around my my supervisor, uh, people in the state hospital, learned a lot from them, uh, tried not to pick up too many of the qualities some of them possess (laughs) and, uh, you know, animals and the wonderful people that worked at the animal shelter. And I think that having that mix helped me through, you know, grow through my internship and also um, learn some different things about. Uh, being empathic and like um, how to care for beings, you know, caring for people, caring for animals. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll stop there. <laughs> nice. That's wonderful. I love it. How you manifested that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually before we started recording, uh, I was talking about my dog who's snoring in the background. If anyone can hear her, she actually, <laughs> I can't hear. <laughs> she is, she, she just woke up. Um, she came home with me from that shelter. So, <laughs> it was uh, serendipitous, as you said. Yeah, that's <laughs> beautiful. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Right. Yeah. So, um, so that's there. You go. Those are the four pillars for me that have really helped me have a lot of success. So I hope. Yeah. You know, obviously, it's going to be a little bit different from person to person. I'm not a big advice giver, but I do like to share what has worked for me and what I know has worked for some of the really 
super achievers of our time, you know, um, and people who have achieved a lot and helped a lot of people. And so that relationship to yourself and that self-growth and development and relationship to others and just putting it out there and that relationship to your future with the goal writing and the vision and that relationship to fear and failure and just knowing that so much of it is irrational and to really try to peel away the layers of that and really look at failure as a stepping stone rather than a stumbling block. Yeah. Thank you. That was great. I like all of those. Cool. Awesome. All right. Are you ready to move into some rapid fire questions? Sure. All righty. Coffee or tea? Coffee in the morning, green tea after lunch. Oh, very specific. <laughs> awesome. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Thank God, because those kids get up early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of people have responded, you know, they're a night owl or that, you know, but they would like to be an early bird with the kids. You know, same type of idea. For sure. Something you would tell your younger self. Oh, just have fun. You know, just have fun. I love playing, just being playful and having fun. I think that's the reason I've always loved working with kids is because I got to be playful and have fun. And that's why I still have so much fun with my clients. And I love I love laughter as, as much as music. I, I even gave a presentation once on how to harness the power of humor to improve your sessions and your client outcomes. <laughs> and it was so fun and just to be, you know, with my with my two boys too and just every day make them laugh and smile. That's the best. So uh, I'm just a playful dude and I would just hopefully I'll always hold on to that. So that's that's what I tell my younger self. Like keep playing, keep having fun, man. That um that other presentation sounds like it would be a good episode too. So maybe we'll have you back on sometime <laughs> to tell us about that. That'd be fun. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your music therapy elevator speech. Ah yes. So imagine a young boy with autism, and he's he doesn't talk, and. You can tell he's in his own world most of the time. And he's being led into a classroom by an aide. And I'm sitting down with my guitar, a couple other kids around me in a circle. And he's led up and sits down next to me. I hand him a drum and I start playing a little greeting song, a little hello song. And, you know, I just start slowly hitting that drum a little bit, starting to slowly look around and coming out of his world. And then I pause and he gets a chance to, you know, kind of sheepishly wave hi to me and maybe someone across the circle. And you, know, you can tell as, as the music continues, his body starts moving and he's starting to come out of his shell a little bit. And then the next song we're working on sign language and I suddenly stop the song and he signs more. He's so motivated and as soon as I see that sign, I go right back in the music. His body starts moving, he's hitting the drum more, he's looking around more, and he's really starting to feel a part of something, a part of something that's deeper. He's starting to feel part of the group. He's starting to be self-expressive without relying on words. And as the group continues on, he just starts to open up more and more and starts 
improving and working on these goals of his in a fun and motivating and musical fashion. Can you picture that? That was a great visualization. <laughs> it kind of felt like a meditation. Mm, is that is that, that how you developed it? The same way you develop your meditations? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much by just kind of sitting like reviewing it in my head and, you know, wanting to really paint a picture because yeah. I feel, and I learned that from, I forgot who the, the music therapist was, but I went to a conference, music therapy conference and went to a presentation on, you know, an elevator pitch and she's all like, come on now. You know, using music uh, to address non-musical goals. My question to all the people listening is how passionate and how much emotion do you have in your voice when you answer that question? Good one. You know, are you like, it's using music to address non-musical goals? You know, I mean, come on, like, we can do better than that. Like, share a story, create this guided, you know, create this visualization in someone's head. That's how people, that's what people are going to remember. And that's what people are going to latch on to. So I just feel, and that's where your passion and your heart is going to really shine through with sharing an example or guiding someone like Idris did. That's going to really make an impression as opposed to, you know, rattling off the standard definition. Yeah. Well said. And we answer that question all the time. So it's sometimes hard to bring that passion into the response. You know, because yeah, totally. you've answered it five times already that day, but that's a, totally. a good way to reframe it, a good way to remember how to do it in um, possibly a more beneficial way. Yeah, and, and or it's just like, pick something that happened that morning. Mm -hmm. Oh, so this morning I was working with this kid with autism or Down syndrome, and, um, you know, we were working on this therapeutic goal. It was to sign more when, you know, to communicate his need or want. And so we were playing this drum, and all of a sudden I suddenly stopped, and he just looked up at me and made this beautiful eye contact, and he signed more, and it was like the first time he had done it in months, and we were so happy, and oh, everyone celebrated, and I got right back into the music, and he was so, come on, like yeah. that is effective. You know, that's going to pull someone's heartstrings as well as give them the intellectual concept of what music therapy is and how it can address goals, mm -hmm. right? I mean, obviously, you just right, you want to mention that in your experience that you just share that this was the goal we're working on. And you don't need to rattle off, you know, six or seven different goal areas, but to just name one goal area, I think is super cool. Yeah, totally. All right. Your favorite self-care practice. Ah, geez, there's some good ones there. Can be more I than love one. Squash. Yeah, I love playing squash. <laughs> um, I'm fortunate enough to live in this town with this uh, famous boarding school, Phillips Exeter Academy. It's quite prestigious. Um, so PEA, Phillips Exeter Academy, I mean, you know. Oh, my God, it's yeah. like an Ivy League college. I had some swim meets so, there when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So it's really cool, though. They bring a lot of awesome, you know, diversity to the town and some really wonderful stuff. So they have these amazing squash courts. They're like, town squash is kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like racquetball, but um, it's a little bit different. So so I got invited as a guest by some squash alum people to play on a weekly basis. So I go every Sunday and I play and you know, it's not only that workout, it's super intense. I'm a competitive dude. So like gives me that outlet for that. And then it just makes me sweat like crazy and my heart's beating out of my chest and my legs are burning out. And, um, but then there's that community 
And we're like all chatting afterwards. And, you know, you kind of got that endorphin high from the workout. So everyone's kind of chatty and real positive. And again, it's like surrounding myself with some really positive, cool people um, has been really a gift. So that and then, you know, every morning I do some yoga and meditation. So that's always a good way to start the day. But uh, there's something about that squash. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, though. So like you said, to have that competitive outlet. That's great. Mm. Something that is currently adding value to your life. I know it's cliche, but I got to say my kids, you know, <laughs> they're, uh, they're pushing me to be a better dad and to be a more patient person and to, you know, to even peel back some of the layers and look at my own deep psychology and my own childhood and upbringing. And uh, it's been... Yeah, and also like just allowing me to be a goofball and silly and crazy and wacky and zany and, you know, so, uh, and dramatic. <laughs> I love just making up stories. Those are my little, my four and a half year olds always ask me to make up stories and I just, I just close my eyes and I just launch into these fun stories about animals and stuff. And I find it's actually a really fulfilling, creative practice. So, uh, so yeah, got to go with the kids. That's beautiful. All your parents. Yeah. All your parents. <laughs> are. You know what I'm talking about. It, it ain't easy. I ain't saying it's easy. Oh my God. I feel exhausted most of the time, but, um, because we got one and a half and four and a half. So that's, that's kind of crazy, but, uh, but it's awesome. Good. Your favorite intervention or song to use in a session. Yeah, I've been focusing a lot on anxiety reduction lately. So I just feel like if we don't address that first, how are our clients really going to learn that well? And we all know when you're anxious, you're probably not going to perform your best, whether you're playing guitar or you're taking a test or an exam or you're you know, public speaking, whatever it may be. And I feel like, especially with my clientele, individuals with special needs, there's a whole lot of anxiety and stress. And without addressing that first, it's going to be really hard to get to the other stuff. I mean, it's just interesting. It kind of goes along a lot of what we're talking about. You know, we were talking about Maslow's our European needs and putting your health first before business. Well, what about putting your state, your state of well-being in terms of anxiety or uh, stress? first before addressing therapeutic goals like speech and communication or fine gross motor development and things like that. So uh, I've even started to start a lot of my sessions with this intervention as opposed to like a, a fun little hello or greeting song. Um, I'm starting to put this before the hello or greeting song so that everyone's chilled out by the time we get to that song. And with my adults and my kids, I've started having everyone take starting in silence. I always say starting in silence and everyone keeps their instruments quiet. Even if I have to wait for 20 or 30 seconds, this is great for the, the staff to support staff, like with the adults, if they're mm -hmm. in the room um, for the adult group I do, and they're like shuffling around or a little bit chatty. Um, and I just do starting in silence. I just close my eyes and I just wait. You know, it's for them to be quiet, it's for the clients to keep their instruments quiet. So right there, you're working on impulse control, which is kind of cool. Um, and then everyone taking a big, deep breath, and we breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. And then I have someone count us in, and we get going. And that's with, like, every song we do now. So it's just a kind of a nice way to start each song in silence and with a big, deep breath. 
Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Good. Uh, and finally, where can people find you, connect with you? We'll put links in the show notes, but go ahead and throw them out. <laughs> yeah, I've got a bunch. Uh, I think you, YouTube, you can just look up Ryan Judd or Rhythm Tree. I think it's Rhythm Tree 123. Um, and then oh, you can probably just go to my website. So that's usually the easiest thing. You click on the social media icons. But yeah, um, on, I've got the rhythmtree.com. That's kind of my music therapy website. That's where my video blog is. And then I've got ryanjuddmusic.com. That's kind of more my like musician where the new album is highlighted and featured. And then you've got restful sounds. Dot com, which is where I have all my recordings for sleep and recordings for anxiety, music for anxiety, and I've got all my nature recordings on there too. So that's my whole kind of like rest and relaxation brand that I've created. Um, you can definitely find me on Amazon too. I've got all my stuff on Amazon. If you know, if you were if you're streaming, I'm on all the streaming services, so you can find my new album and all my other stuff on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, et cetera, et cetera, by just searching Ryan Judd. I'm the only Ryan Judd out there right now, so uh, <laughs> should be pretty easy to find on there. Um, so yeah, connect with me, send me a message. If you, you, know, if you have any questions or want any further resources, um, hit me up. You can definitely uh, reach me through those different venues. Awesome, thank you so much, and thank you for making the time to talk with me and share your insights with all this stuff. I think that a lot of people will benefit, especially from the reminder to start with themselves. I know I need yeah. that reminder a lot. Yeah. The self-care thing is big and so important. I know it, again, it sounds kind of cliche, but there's a reason why people are talking about it. It's so important. We mm -hmm. can only be our best selves when we take care of ourselves first and to be in the giving profession. We have the, tendency to give 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 well yeah you better start with yourself if you really want to give that much or you're going to wipe yourself out and you're not going to be able to give the best part of yourself you know yeah. i mean after a workout that's when i'm like that's when i go down with the kids and i'm like i'm like super dad you know before the workout i'm like okay uh, i'm doing my best but after a workout or after doing my meditation or whatever it may be that's when i'm at my best you know so that's so important yeah totally well, thank you. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Right, bye. Take care. again for tuning into this episode of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. I hope you got as much as I did out of that conversation with Ryan and keep his four pillars in mind as you go about your day, your week. Maybe you like the goal setting ideas he had. I'll put links to all the resources he mentioned in the show notes. Check some of those out. I have used a few of them myself for my own personal growth and development and um, found them helpful. So I will see you in the next episode. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes. I'd love to read some more reviews on the end of these episodes. Join our group on Facebook. As I said in this particular episode, uh, put your comments there, your thoughts. If you're looking for a broker or a mastermind group or anything like that, use the group as a safe space to uh, look for those kinds of things. All you got to do is click to be added and I will accept you. 
If you or someone you know is interested in being on the podcast, or if there's someone you want us to reach out to and hear what they have to say, please send us an email at feedback at musictherapychronicles.com, and that will go directly to me. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) Or if there's just anything else you want to share, your thoughts about the podcast, ideas you have, it is a feedback email, so if there's feedback you have, that's great too. All right. See you in the next one. Thank you.